Good morning. Welcome to Genesis Church. My name is Paul Mumaw, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you're new with us today, we'd love the chance to get to know you a little better. We'll have some people up front after the service. You can stop by our info hub. Uh, there are some great things that our volunteers can tell you about our church, help you to get to know Genesis a little better. Uh, maybe take a moment, if you would. There's a connection card uh, around you in one of the seat backs. Uh, that's a great way to get connected with us. You can fill that out. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, it's also a great way to share prayer requests, uh, maybe something really cool that God's doing in your life. Sign up for something uh, like the big event through the uh, connection card. Uh, two things you can do with that. Drop it in the uh, offering bag in just a uh, little bit when we take our offering, or uh, maybe even better, take it to the info hub after the service. And especially for those of you that are brand new with us today, uh, we've got a gift that we'd like to give you just to say thanks for being here, uh, for being our guest, and so you can drop that off uh, at the info hub before you go. Two other things I want to mention to you today. In a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be hosting on November the 15th what we call Intro to Genesis. Uh, it's just a lunch that we host after our second service. It'll start around 12, uh, 12.15, 12.30. Uh, it's a great way to meet the staff, great way to get to know our church a little better. Uh, so if you've never attended Intro to Genesis before, uh, you can sign up for that. It's always helpful to know that you're going to be there so we can plan child care and uh, food accordingly. Uh, also, we're going to be uh, celebrating Child Dedications uh, on Sunday, November 22nd. It's an opportunity for parents uh, to stand before the church with their child and just say, hey, I realize that my, my child is a gift from the Lord, and I want to raise my child to know uh, and love Jesus. And so that's coming up on Sunday, November the 22nd, but also on Sunday, November the 15th, we'll have an info uh, session for parents uh, that you can be a part of, learn a little bit more, and uh, why this date uh, and, and event is a big deal uh, for our church. And uh, so check that out. You can always check out our app or, again, the website. Uh, we've got info back at our info hub, uh, too, uh, if you need some more information about that. You know, one of our uh, strategic ministry partners uh, is ICF Church in Tirana, Albania. And I had the opportunity back in February to visit ICF and uh, to see a part of Albania, uh, it's a tough place. Uh, something like uh, less than one half of 1% of Albanians are evangelical Christians. 0.4% uh, uh, know the Lord. But there's a church there, ICF Tirana, and they are doing some spectacular things. We made a commitment last February to support them financially. And so we've been doing that for uh, most of a year now. In two weeks, uh, I'm going again with 10 others from Genesis, and we're going to serve for a week uh, with ICF uh, Tirana, and uh, we're going as a part of an event that they hosted this past week with some other American partners. They hosted an English camp uh, for college students in Tirana, and they had over 800 college students attend uh, th their week uh, this past week, and then on Thursday night, I just got a note of this the other day, they shared the gospel with these 800 students. And uh, the note that I got this weekend uh, from Pastor Altine just said this. We shared the gospel with 800 some students and over 300 either made a commitment to Christ or are interested in knowing more about Christ. And so again, uh, there was some overwhelming in it, but uh, that's really cool and amazing work. And, and I just tell you all that because when you give an offering here, uh, part of what you're giving to is ICF Church in Toronto, Albania. You're helping people find their way back to God uh, in Albania. And so it's part of the reason why we celebrate whenever we take an offering. Uh, so I'm going to invite our host team to come forward right now to take our offering, and we celebrate uh, when we do that here at Genesis Church.
we're going to uh, start a brand new series on relationships uh, starting next week, and I think the uh, timing of that is always good as we get closer and closer to a couple of our major holidays and uh, spending time with people we enjoy and maybe uh, some of those that we don't enjoy uh, nearly as much and how we get ready uh, for that. But today, uh, we want to wrap up a series that we've been in for the last seven weeks, a series called uh, The Son of Man, and I'm really excited uh, about this uh, last message that I want to share with you in this series today. I I think it's a big deal. Uh, for each of us. I think it has a lot to do with where we're headed uh, as a church and uh, some things that I'm really excited about and others are excited about that we've been praying uh, about together. Um, I also want to give you a heads up. Uh, I'm going to share for about 25 minutes this morning. Uh, At the end of my message, we're going to take about a two-minute survey together. And if you have the Genesis Church app on your phone, you'll be ready for that, all right? And it's about a two-minute survey. uh, It'll just take a couple of moments, just kind of help us gauge a little bit Uh, where we are as a church, maybe help you think about where you are in your walk uh, with Christ. Uh, Right now, if you don't have the app, no worries. Uh, We have a paper copy of that uh, survey available on the InfoHub counter. Again, it'll only take you about two minutes, and so when you leave today, if you'd like to do that, grab a copy, fill it out, and leave it there at the InfoHub. Again, you can do it anonymously, uh, but uh, we'll do that uh, in in about 20, 25 minutes. You can keep the clock on me uh, and and how I'm doing, and and I'll do my best to, uh, to get there. Uh, on time. Uh, My family had uh, the privilege uh, of traveling recently out west visiting one of our national parks and uh, one of the things that we like to do together as a family is is hike, all right? We enjoy getting outside, we enjoy, uh, you know, conquering a trail uh, together and so uh, we were really excited about doing some hiking but uh, as we approached uh, every trail that we considered hiking, we ran into this sign uh, over and over again. Warning, bear frequenting area. And that, you know, if you're from the Midwest, all right, you know, that, that just puts a little charge in you, you know, just a little reminder of what's out there, all right? I mean, it's one thing, you know, to hike here in central Indiana. It's another thing to hike out west and to uh, come across a sign like this. And being a firstborn, uh, my wife's a firstborn too. It did put in a, li- a little alarm in us. And so we didn't hike as much as we would like because, again, uh, bears were frequenting the area. It was a, a popular time and activity for bears. But our kids really wanted to hike. And so we, 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 we braved it out. We were courageous. We you were know, trying to set a good example for them. And we went on a couple hikes. But on this one hike in particular, uh, it, it, was, it was just, I'll just say it was really isolated. Uh, there weren't many people around. And so my anxiety was up a little bit. My antenna was up. You know, I had kind of my eyes peeled for this three-mile round-trip hike. And we got about halfway into the hike when my wife kind of looked back at me, and she noticed that I was carrying two things in my hands. And she said, what, what are you carrying? And I opened up my hands to show that I had two big rocks that I was holding my hands. And she, have you, she was like, have you been walking with those the whole time? I'm like, yeah, you bet I've been walking with them the whole time. And, and she kind of looked at me with this look like, what are you going to do with those? Like, I mean, if a bear really comes out of the woods, what are you going to do? And I'll say, well, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to lay down and let a bear eat me, you know, or any of our kids. And uh, so she was kind of laughing at me, giving me a hard time. And I said, I'll tell you what else I have. And I reached into my pocket and I pulled out a whistle. And she's like, where in the world did you get a whistle? I said, I found it back there. And so I picked it up and put it in my pocket. 
again, the same question, what are you going to do with the whistle? And I'm like, I have no idea, but if we come to those sort of, uh, you know, moments, you know, maybe it'll come in handy uh, for something. In my mind, I was also kind of thinking, you know, I really only have to outrun one family member, you know? I mean, if we, <laughs> we come across the bear, I shared that with my wife, and she said, the problem with that is that's me, all right? I mean, our kids are probably even faster than we are. Well, we didn't see any bears on that particular trail, but we had a good time. But again, I'll just tell you, my, my head hurt at the end of the hike from just looking, every little noise, every little branch breaking, you know, keeping my eyes uh, open for a potential bear. Uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, encourages us as followers of Christ to, to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Uh, look, look at Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. The writer says it like this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders all right, he's talking about here's, here's what it means to, to live as a Christian. Here's what it means to really follow Christ. He says, to throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Uh, for the joy set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what the writer is saying. He's saying to us, there, there is no greater example than Jesus. Uh, he reminds us that our goal and our aim as followers of Jesus is to pattern our lives uh, after his life. Now, the Apostle John was one of the first people uh, to start following Jesus, and he followed Jesus all the way to the cross. He kept his eyes fixed on Jesus. Uh, he finished out his life telling people about Jesus, and, and John, too, he paints a picture of what it means to call yourself a Christian, not only then, uh, but it's relevant for us today, too. And we've looked at this verse over and over again in 1 John 2, 6. John writes, this is how we know we're in him. All right, you want to gauge? All right, you want something to evaluate your life by? He says, here's what it means. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Can I just stop there and ask you right now, as you think about your life today, um, are you walking as Jesus walked? Are you allowing Him to, to work in your life? Is there something, since coming to know Christ, is there something that's different about you? Something that others see in you? I mean, they look at you and they just see Jesus in your life and the way that you live, the boldness that you live by, the compassion that oozes from you. I mean, there, there is no better example for us than Jesus. And uh, that we know that though fully God, Hebrews 2.17 says that He became fully human for us in every way, but was without sin. And because Jesus became fully human for us, what we can do is we can look to Him. Uh, we can look to His life. We can see Him as an example. We can, we can learn from Him. I mean, there, there is no better example for us than Jesus Christ. And so are you walking as He walked? I pray and hope that you've been challenged maybe over these last couple of months together, thinking about His life and what He did. How's He influencing your life today? influencing the way that you live. I was having coffee with a, a guy from our church the other day, and he, he brought this up. He says, you know, I've been a part of a church for so many years, and, but I've never really taken the time to consider what it means that Jesus became like one of us, that he became fully human in every way so that we can learn from him. And, and so again, for the past seven weeks, especially if you're new with us today, we've been studying the life of Jesus, really just trying to take a fresh look at how he lives so that we might learn from him and see uh, the priorities, the, the resources that he drew from. And, and the hope is, the hope for you and, and the hope for me is that we can look to Jesus and we can look, learn from him and we can take advantage of the very same resources that Jesus relied on in his life. Resources like the Holy Spirit, 
I mean, we know that Jesus was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit for things like guidance and direction. And that same spirit that was available to Jesus is the same spirit that's available to you and me today. And so we can live by the Spirit as Jesus lived by the Spirit. We talked about prayer and how prayer was the primary means by which Jesus cultivated an intimate relationship with the Father. I mean, it's the best way to grow in your relationship with God. There's obedience. I mean, we talked about obedience and how obedience is God's love language. And Jesus knew that. I mean, and so Jesus lived a sinless life, completely obedient to the Father. And so we're trying to better understand how we can do the same. How can we learn from Jesus so that we can live an obedient life too? And there's there's the Word of God, the Bible. I mean, Jesus carefully studied and examined every aspect of God's Word for things like wisdom uh, and encouragement and direction. And it can do the same thing for us too as we live our lives each and every day. Uh, Two weeks ago, Ben, our our campus pastor, did did a fantastic job, by the way, uh, helped us understand how Jesus didn't do anything for his own benefit, but he was always giving glory, all right, deflecting that glory to the Father. And last week, Ben continued by talking about how uh, important uh, people were uh, and relationships were to Jesus. And what did Ben say? I thought this was so good, uh, that, that Jesus loved everyone, Uh, that he served many, but what we want to see in his life is that he invested in a few, that he was very intentional about investing in a few individuals uh, at a time. I mean, Jesus didn't try to disciple everyone, but instead he specifically invested in a few. And here's the thing about Jesus and really where we want to land this uh, today and wrap up today. I I want you to see, it's not in your notes, but if if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, Jesus was a disciple maker. I mean, Jesus was all about making disciples. I mean, this was the goal, all right? This was his aim, to, to invest in a few, uh, to win them to Christ, and then to grow them up and equip them and release them so that they could go and do the same for other people too. I mean, that's what Jesus did for them. It's what we call disciple making. And so uh, Jesus was a disciple maker. I mean, disciple making was his priority. And do you know what? The very same mission that was on the heart of Jesus and his focus and all of his intentionality is the same mission that he's got in mind for you. It's the same mission he has in mind for me and for Genesis Church. I mean, what he lived, what he modeled, he commanded us to do. We see this in Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 to 20, you know, uh, before, uh, well before Jesus, after the cross, but before Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, Matthew writes, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right, read it with me. What's he say? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All right, uh, literally, that means as you're going, make disciples. Uh, As you live your life, as you go to the ball fields, as you go to work, as you invest in your neighborhood and you get to know the people around you as followers of Christ, if we're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're making disciples as we go. You don't punch out, all right? We don't clock out on this. This is something that we all do together. Again, Jesus' strategy for reaching the world was disciple-making. And because his strategy for helping people find their way back to God had everything to do with making disciples, we want to look to him. We want to learn from him. And uh, we want to learn to make disciples the way that Jesus made disciples. Here's the thing about Jesus. By investing in a few people at a time, he leaves us a a model, an example, a pattern, really, for making disciples. And uh, one of the easiest ways to follow Jesus' pattern of investing in a few and making disciples with them is to focus on four challenges that emerged from the Gospels, four challenges that Jesus gave his followers as he was discipling them. There's four invitations there in your notes today. It's the invitation to come and see, 
uh, the invitation to follow me. Uh, there's the invitation to go and fish for people. And then this final invitation to go and to bear fruit. Again, Jesus models a way of disciple-making for us. And what I want you to see today, and uh, with these four chairs that uh, are here behind me, is that in these four chairs, we can see an example, we can see a model of disciple-making. Jesus, He frames up for us what disciple-making looks like practically, all right, in our everyday living. And, uh, and I think, as I've been taught and uh, others from our staff have been enjoying this teaching too, that we can see Jesus' example, we can see His model uh, in these four chairs. So I'm stepping up here today. Uh, you know we're getting important if I'm stepping up to the, uh, the big stage, the, uh, the, the, the top stage. But again, I, I want you to see this uh, in these four chairs. And uh, if you're following along with me, I want you to see Jesus' first invitation that's going to be represented by this first chair here. Again, it's Jesus' invitation uh, to come and see. And uh, if you've got your Bible, if you want to turn over to John chapter 1, uh, verse 39. Uh, in John 1, 39, uh, Jesus, what he did is he invited... Uh, a very curious Andrew and John to come and see, all right? He, he invites them to come uh, and to see. Simply put, Jesus invited Andrew and John to come and spend the day with him, to, to come and learn more, to come to get to know uh, and to see who he was. I mean, Jesus knew that Andrew and John had questions, all right? He knew that Andrew and John probably had uh, some doubts. He, he knew that Andrew and John were interested in spiritual things, but had not yet made this commitment to really follow Jesus, to see him uh, as Savior and Lord. And so by inviting them to come and see what Jesus was doing is he was inviting to them to come and to spend the day with him and, and to get to know him. Here's what we're going to do uh, for this chair one person. For, for chair one, uh, we're going to call this chair one person, it's in your notes, a seeker. All right, this is a person uh, that is seeking uh, a seeker is someone who has questions. Uh, a seeker is someone who is interested uh, in spiritual things but has not yet made uh, a commitment uh, to know Christ. You know, the Bible, the Scriptures sometimes say that this person uh, represents the lost. Uh, this person represents someone who is spiritually dead. But again, it is somebody that is interested or maybe seeking out spiritual things. Here's the thing, you've got share one people in your life right now. All right, as we've been praying for different people, as you've been thinking about people in your neighborhood, you've got some chair one people uh, in your life right now. We, we have chair two people, or chair one people here with us today. Uh, some of you, you've been coming for a while. You would say, you know what, if you're honest, you know what, I'm a chair one person. Maybe this is your first time. And you would say, you know what, I'm a chair one person. And I want to just stop there and say that if this chair represents where you are right now when it comes to spiritual things, we want you to know that you're welcome here. Uh, Genesis Church is a chair one sort of a church. Uh, you're welcome to come here with all of your questions. Uh, you're welcome to come here with all of your doubts and to take the time to really work through uh, those questions uh, and to think about the answers uh, to some uh, of those questions. And, and the fact is that we have a lot of Chair 1 people in Hamilton County right now. I mean, Chair, uh, Hamilton County is full of Chair 1 people. It, it, it's people, that again, that uh, are asking lots of questions. And what we need to do as a church and what you need to do as an individual is we need to get to know these people. And we need to spend time with these people. And we need to share our lives with these people. All right? And, and we need to allow trust uh, to be built uh, in the relationship. We, we need to listen to these people and to help them and to, to listen to their questions and see if we can't answer some of those questions for them. And again, we need to love them. And we need to allow trust to take form in the relationship. But most importantly, do you know what we need to do? At some point, we need to introduce these people to Jesus. We have to tell people 
about Jesus. People in chair one, we need to share our story and tell them the message of Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly what Jesus and Andrew and John uh, did with their time together, all right? We don't know what they talked about, but what we do know, if you read a, uh, a little further along in Scripture, what we do know is that Andrew emerged from that time with Jesus, and he proclaimed, come, we have found the Messiah. We have found the answer to the questions that we're asking, and that's what we want to see happen too. We want, we, want to, we want to introduce these people to Christ, maybe some of you here today, and we want to help them encounter Jesus so that they're ready to make a decision to cr- trust Christ. And this is where uh, Jesus presents his second challenge, which is represented by chair two, and it's the challenge to follow me. All right, Jesus said, come follow me. Now we see Jesus do this in Philip. All right, someone else in the Gospels. Now, when Philip first met Jesus, you could say that that Philip was a chair one uh, seeker, but but he and Jesus, they spent some time together. Jesus invited him to come and see, and when the time was right and when Philip was ready, Jesus extended an invitation to Philip to move from this chair of the seeker to the second chair. Jesus invited him to follow me. Now, the Greek word for follow is the Greek word akalatheo. Uh, it means to come behind. It means to follow in my steps. It means to learn more about me. Here's what chair two represents. Chair two marks the moment a person makes a decision to trust Christ. And uh, can we just say this is a big deal? Like to make this move from chair one to chair two is a really big deal. All right, this, this is a life-changing move. This is moving from, you know, death to life. It's moving from uh, eternal separation to eternal life uh, with our Lord. Uh, Let's not forget, you know, that this marks the moment that a person is now forgiven. Again, they've trusted Christ. They're they're ready to be baptized. We're going to celebrate some of those baptisms here uh, in just a little bit, and uh, we need to make a really big deal of these sort of moves. We need to never cut down on the celebration Uh, of really celebrating someone who has moved from chair one uh, to chair two. And when we get to chair two or when an individual or when you get to chair two, this is where we really start learning how to walk as Jesus walked. This is where we begin that process. Again, we've crossed over from one to two, but we start learning what it means uh, to follow Jesus. We, we start learning the basics of faith. You learn about your identity in Christ and how you were made and how you were gifted and how Christ wants to use you. This is where we learn about things like prayer and obedience and how to read the Bible, all right, really how to stand uh, on our own. And so uh, what we need to do, what we need to be prepared to do is when a person really starts growing in this chair uh, is to challenge them not to stay comfortable in chair two but to really be, make the move uh, to chair three. Again, this is about disciple-making, and that's what Jesus did. Again, he spent significant time uh, with, with, with a, a, a small group of individuals, people like uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John and Matthew. Again, they spent significant time together, and Jesus taught them. But when the time was right, he challenged them to move out of chair two and into what we're going to call chair three And uh, there was a challenge. There was an invitation with that. Jesus said, uh, I want to invite you now to become fishers of men. For you and me, Jesus would say, I want to invite you to now fish for people with your life. Again, this challenge is all about getting people out of the comfort of chair two and really into the work of chair three. All right? Uh, This chair is all about growing. This chair is about beginning the process of helping others grow in their faith in the Lord. Look, look at how we see this in Scripture over in Matthew 4, 19. Uh, ben used this text last week. Jesus said to Peter, he said to him, follow me and I will send you out to fish 
for people. And as Ben mentioned last week, this wasn't the first encounter that Jesus and Peter had. I mean, from what we can tell, Jesus and Peter had already spent 18 months together uh, learning, getting to know uh, each other. You could say that Peter started in chair one, all right? He moved to chair two, but again, this 18 months takes place before he's really ready to move to chair three. And by inviting him to move from chair two into chair three, Jesus was basically saying to Peter, he was saying, you know what, Peter, you're now ready to help others grow. All right, Peter, there is even more I want to do in your life and through your life to help others get to know me. He, he was basically saying to Peter, Peter, I've got a specific role for you to play in this world. And uh, chair three is what we're going to call a kingdom worker. Uh, in case I missed it, if chair one is a seeker, uh, chair two is a follower, all right, chair three is what we're going to call a kingdom worker. And a kingdom worker is someone who is ready to learn disciple making, all right? They're ready to go to work. It's someone who is ready to help others start following Jesus uh, too. And as a pastor, I just have to say that I get really excited when I see people make this move to chair three. I mean, I love the chair one to chair two move, no doubt about it, but I get really excited too when I see people move out of the comfort of chair three into really the work, uh, uh, or chair two into the work of chair three. I know many of you probably feel the same way. We've got chair three people in our church, all right, people that really see, you know what, there's more to life. Uh, there's, more, there, there's more about how God has created me and what he wants to do in my life and, and, and what he wants to do through me. But, but I got to tell you, this, this, is, this is a tough move. This, this is a tough move to make. In fact, the, the sad reality is that there are some people that never make this move. And, and maybe part of it is they just don't know. I mean, they've had no one show them. They've had no one teach them or point them the way they've had no one ever teach anything like this before. But for some people, I mean, I think if we're brutally honest, and chances are you know some people like this, they're just okay with this. And we just kind of do the motions of faith and church, and we get there from time to time, and maybe we, you know, punch our ticket every once in a while. But what God wants to do is he wants to move each of us into this chair three position as a kingdom worker where we are ready to serve him. Again, God's desire is for every follower. God's desire for every single one of you here today is that you would be a kingdom worker. Uh, you would take up your place uh, in this world where God has you, uh, as a way of reaching others. He, he wants to use you, man. He, he wants to use your story. He, he wants to reach people that he's put uh, in your life. He, he wants to use others that he's put in your life to help you make this move, to help you grow in your own faith and to learn what it means to be a disciple maker. But as great and wonderful as chair three is, chair three is not the end of it either. Uh, again, in fact, for every single one of us, Jesus wants us to make at least one more move uh, to this chair four position. We, we see this come out uh, on the night before Jesus was crucified, the night that he was betrayed. He was on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, again, realizing that he didn't have much time left. And, and again, for these disciples, he had spent at least three years uh, now with them, investing in them, helping them make this move from chair one to chair two to chair three. But again, on the night before he was crucified, he issued a fourth challenge that we see. We find it in John chapter 15, uh, verse 8. Uh, here, here's what Jesus said to him. He says, this is to my Father's glory. Uh, the way that I read that, the way that I interpret that is Jesus basically saying, hey, here's the bottom line. Here's the big idea. Here's what really gets the Lord's attention. He says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit in your life, showing yourselves to be 
my disciples. The challenge to move to the fourth chair is this challenge to go and bear fruit. Jesus says, I want you to go and bear fruit with your life. Jesus was basically saying to the disciples, he was saying to them, hey, I've taught you everything that the Father has given to me. I've reproduced myself in you. And what he says is, now I want you to go and bear fruit. Jesus says, I I want you to go and I want you to reproduce what God has been doing in your life in the lives of others. Jesus was saying to them, you're ready to make disciples. You're ready to be disciple makers. You know, if you think about it, um, if you think about it, if you think about this apple, at the very core, at the very heart of this apple are seeds. And uh, if you think about your life, if I think about my life in Christ as one of those seeds, uh, if, if all goes well, uh, if, if uh, nurtured, if, if handled appropriately, what does the seed have the potential to become? Careful, not an apple, but what? An apple tree. A seed can grow into an apple tree, but you know what? It's even more than that. Every seed, when you think about it, really has the potential to become an orchard. And you know what? That's what God wants to do in your life. And what he wants to do in my life and what he wants to do through Genesis Church is that for every single one of us, like a seed, as we know Christ, as we trust Christ, as we depend more and more on him, what he wants to do is reproduce through our lives into the lives of others, disciples who can make disciples, who can make disciples. In fact, one of my friends says it like this, a disciple maker is someone who can make a disciple who is ready and prepared to make a disciple. You know you've arrived in the fourth chair when you can reproduce your life and what Christ has done in you in the lives of others who are then prepared and ready to do it in the lives of others. We call this chair four seat uh, uh, a, a disciple maker, a disciple maker. And uh, it's what God wants to do in my life. It's what he wants to do in your life. Again, if a chair two person is growing, uh, a chair three person is helping others grow, a chair four person, not in an arrogant way, but they've kind of figured it out. They understand how it works. They realize that as you're going, we're making disciples. It's not so much that, that disciple making is a task, it's really a lifestyle. And understanding that every person and every moment and every opportunity that I have really is another opportunity to introduce somebody to Christ, to help them grow in the Lord. We have the seeker, the follower, the kingdom worker, the disciple maker. This is the process of disciple making. We see it in in the life of Jesus. It's what he wants to do in us. Here's where I'm going with this. This is what God's been doing in me. And over the past year, the past couple of years now, and uh, what he's re- kind of really been revealing to me, he's doing it in our staff. Uh, our, our staff have, have, are, are learning from this. We're starting to see ministry through these four chairs. Uh, it's caught fire with our elders. Uh, they're doing the same. They're thinking along the lines of the same process. We've shared it in our Leaders Edge community. And so many of you ha- have already heard from some of this teaching. Here, here's the vision. Here's what we really believe that God has in mind for us as we move ahead as a church. We want to be a disciple-making church. We, we want to be all about disciple-making, helping each person realize who they are in Christ, growing them up, teaching them to grow others, helping them reproduce this process over and over again, and just realizing the exponential effect that that could have not only on our community, but in other places uh, too. We want to be a disciple-making church. Jesus was all about disciple-making. We're going to be about making disciples too. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we're making this big shift to be all about discipleship. 
all right? Because when I hear the word discipleship, I think classes, I think programs, and not that there's anything wrong with that. And so I'm not saying that we are going to do discipleship, but what I am saying is that I believe, like Jesus, that we want to be committed to the whole process, all right? We want to help seek and save the lost, but help people grow up in their faith, people like you and me, so that we can turn around again and do the same for others. I'm not sure when it happened, but at some point in the 20th century, the American church separated these Siamese twins, if you would, of evangelism and discipleship. And there's a really good chance you've been a part of a church that has waved the evangelism flag, or you've been a part of a church that has waved the discipleship flag. And so it's always been about one or the other, but Jesus' plan was all of the above. Seeking and saving the lost, making disciples, And as I want you to see with these four chairs, his plan again of reaching the lost, helping people grow in their faith, teaching them to grow others, and then getting them to this place, you and me, where we feel confident about making disciples. That's what we're up to. That's where we're headed. And that's what we believe that God wants to do through this church. We want to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. We're going to be a disciple-making church for the sake of helping even more people find their way back to God. So briefly, quickly, how do we become a disciple-making church? Well, one of the first steps is when you say, I see it. I want to be a disciple-maker. I want to do that. I want to learn that. I I want that to be a part of of my life. I I want to walk as Jesus walked. I want his priorities to be my priorities. I I want to get you just thinking about a couple of questions today. The first one is this, who are your few? And who are your few right now? Who are those people that God has put in your life. And if all of a sudden you start seeing some of those friends in one of these four chairs, well, maybe it's going to give you an idea that for every person, well, sometimes it's just a little different what we do and what we do with our time. And uh, if you're at all at a place where you're like, okay, I don't know how to do this, welcome to the club, all right? I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of all walking through this together, but we do have some things coming up, like on Saturday, December the 5th, Uh, We're going to host just kind of a disciple-making event here at Genesis where we're going to kind of unpack this a little bit more, but uh, for each of us, we're just going to look at some real tangible ways that we can help people make these moves. And so mark that down Sunday, December the 5th. We'll talk a little bit more about it uh, as we get closer. Uh, The second question that I want to ask you is, which chair are you in? Where do you think you are right now? And uh, we thought about just kind of releasing you and, hey, will you do that this week? But uh, we know that that can get busy. So this is that survey part. So uh, if you've got your phone, uh, if you wouldn't mind grabbing that and taking it out, if you've got the Genesis Church app, um, this, again, is a totally anonymous, uh, voluntary sort of a survey. Uh, But if you open the Genesis Church app, Uh, At the very bottom, you'll find that one of the buttons is the weekend button. Uh, If you click the weekend button and click uh, then on the very next page, the four chair survey, uh, it'll say then click here to take the survey. That's brilliant. And uh, but uh, if you click that, it's going to take you directly to Survey Monkey, where we have a quick five question survey for those of you that haven't taken it already. And I know that some of you probably uh, already have. But if you just go to that survey, I want to give you two minutes. Uh, Would you work through that real quick? Again, if you don't have this, we've got paper hard copies available at the Info Hub after the service. You can grab one. But we'd love to hear from you. We we just want to know where are we as a church and what are some of the things that you're thinking and processing. So take take two minutes and, and then I wrap us up.
maybe about 30 more seconds. All right, if you're able to complete that, thank you so much. Uh, again, it, it's voluntary, it's anonymous. We don't have like some secret thing set up where it's like row 15, seat four, you know, that we're going to somehow know. But we do, we want to know where we are as a church. And, and if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts, man, we'd love to, to, to hear from you as well. But, but thank, thank you for taking a moment uh, to fill that out as we learn together. And I'm going to wrap up. I know I'm well longer than 25 minutes, but it's the first service, and I'll get shorter the, the second service, I think. But again, you know, I, I want to get you thinking. I, I want this to be helpful. What, which chair are you in? Like, where, where are you right now? And there, there's no guilt with any of these. I mean, understanding is a wonderful, amazing thing. You know, are you seeking the Lord today? Have you made a decision for Christ or ready to make that decision for Christ to, ha, as a follower? Are you, have you kind of joined into that work? I mean, would you be able to say, you know what, I'm a kingdom worker or has God led you to a place that maybe, you know what, you know, I know how to make disciples and I, I need to get to that work. I need to get back to that work uh, if, if I've gotten away. Here, here's my hunch. I think we probably have a lot of chair two people in our church. And again, you know, as much as Genesis is a chair one sort of a church, you know what? We're a chair two sort of a church too. And uh, we want to help uh, people uh, make this move. But if you're in this chair today, I just want to ask you, are, are you hungry? Like, are you hungry for more? I mean, maybe, maybe this is the understanding, the vision that you need for your life today to realize, I mean, God has so much more in store for you and he wants to use you and he wants to use your story for someone else and for his glory and for so many other wonderful things. And again, if you're wondering, okay, how in the world do I make this move out of this chair and into the work of chair three and four? Uh, again, December the 5th is just a starting place in that. We'd love to have you there for our disciple-making event uh, on December uh, the 5th. But lastly, and then I'll pray, and we're going to sing, and we're going to celebrate some baptisms. I think we probably have some chair one people here today. And uh, again, you are welcome here, but I know that for some of you, you know what, you've been coming for a while now, and you've heard us share the story of Christ and what he's done for us, and the big move that you need to make in your life is you need to make a decision for Christ and trust him so that you can start following him and walking as Jesus walked with a whole new perspective and a whole new vision for your life uh, in this world. We just bow your heads with me for just a moment. Um, you know, as you think about whatever the Lord is speaking to you today and however he's challenging you uh, right now, maybe just tell him. I mean, he knows, but maybe for your own sake, just to verbalize, you know, God, I, I see myself in this chair or that chair. And just tell him, just pray today, Lord, Lord Jesus, I, I want to walk as you walk. I want to make disciples. And maybe your prayer has something to do with saying, you know what, I want my sister to come to Christ. Or I want my mother or my father to trust Christ. I, maybe you've got children that you're thinking about and you just find yourself exhaustively praying for them. Maybe it's somebody from work. Maybe, maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. And if God's putting that burden, if he's 
setting that on fire in you today, maybe just as a way of surrendering to him, just say, Lord, you can use me. Teach me to make disciples. But for maybe somebody here today, you see very clearly, you know, I'm, for the sake of the illustration, I'm in chair one. But maybe by a move and the work of the Holy Spirit in you today, you're realizing I'm ready to trust Christ. And that's an awesome, awesome move. And uh, if that's you and if you're ready to that move, make that move, I, I, just, I just invite you, I encourage you, I beg you to just in your own words today, just reach out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I am ready to follow you with all of my life. Save me. Forgive me. My heart belongs to you today. Father, I, I hope that I've done well today with what you've put on my heart. I trust that you'll make sense of it. I trust that you'll do what you want to do in, in each of us through it today. Uh, Lord, it is our desire to, to walk as the Son of Man walked, to walk as Jesus walked, and we want to make disciples. And I want to do that in my life, and I want to do that as a church. And uh, so will you give us the faith and the confidence, the obedience to follow you, whatever it takes so that we might help even more people find their way back to God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.